You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, greetings, everyone. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm your host, Doug Thorpe, and today we're going to take a tour of the process of interviewing and hiring people for your teams. You know, uh, most of the business leaders I've ever met or talked to, they will, when uh, truth be told, they'll express a frustration with the need to hire people. The hiring and interviewing process is always a pain point that uh, few profess to be good at, and uh, candidates are frustrated by it as well. So my guest today is going to help us think differently about how to do that and what some of the emerging best practices are. His name is Rick Gerard. Rick, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Doug. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, my friend. So with all that buildup, no pressure, right? Uh, to, to, uh, <laughs> Never. To, to lead us through this maze. So I always like to ask people first to tell us a little bit about their background and why and how they got into what they're doing. Yeah. So uh, let's see. I, um, I'm originally like Bugs Bunny. I took a left turn at Albuquerque. Um, I originally went to art school and I had big ambitions to be a professional photographer and then uh, went to school, um, realized that that wasn't for me. The whole poor starving artist lifestyle just wasn't, I, it wasn't going to cut it for me. Um, and so at the time, I happened to have a cousin who was running a, a, uh, an executive search firm. And he was, um, he was moving to Idaho. He was starting up a new company. He wanted me to come work with him. So um, I moved up primarily because it was in a ski resort town and it enabled me to go um, to, to go, go to a place where I can actually go snowboarding. And so I moved up to snowboard and I fell into a career. That's kind of, you know, <laughs> that's kind of my yeah. story on that one. Um, but uh, been recruiting in the, uh, in the tech space in the Silicon Valley for almost all my career. Um, I, uh, I totally love it. It's something that I, um, I'm passionate about startups and getting startups off the ground and getting them, getting them built correctly with the right people so that, um, so that they succeed because it's, uh, it's a hard journey. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, like I mentioned, I, I think anybody that has, has ventured down the path of entrepreneurship has realized as soon as they need to start expanding by bringing on people, they are faced with that challenge of, number one, figuring out what they really want. Number two, finding out where those people may be and who's available and how to get a hold of them. And then you begin the whole process of vetting and screening and setting up interviews and, and going through that process. So basically, let's just maybe take it from the top. What what do you see as some of the biggest challenges in today's market? Well, okay. So, you know, we're going into kind of a, a scenario where like, I, you know what, this sounds really bad, but I like working during like downtimes or, or recessions because what ends up happening is that people put, they, they put a higher bar up. Um, when it's a feeding frenzy, they just hire anybody very quickly and hope that the person works out. 
<laughs> and um, yeah. and and so you have a lot of times high attrition rates. And uh, unfortunately, as entre- entrepreneurs kind of take the take the standpoint of, hey, look at it, we just need to get this get somebody in the seat to get the work done, which is dangerous. Um, now you're seeing a lot of layoffs and other things like that. And I think that's all that comes down to a lot of, uh, wrong person in the right seat, wrong seat, right? Like they, they hired somebody just to put them in there and it wasn't really a values fit for the company or the individual. And so now we've got a situation where, you know, they've got to cut and, um, as they're, as they're cutting, um, the people who aren't in alignment with the values of the company are the ones who are being affected by it. So now, um, you know, we're still seeing quite a bit of hiring, but the hiring that's happening is, Hey, look at, we want, we want to find people who are on target for what it is that we need. Like, you know, the values of the company, uh, as well as the, the core competencies that they bring to the table. So that's become a lot more important and they're raising the bar, which is great because, now it's this is where I kind of excel because I love uh, I love roles in which they're difficult to fill, and I can I can really dig in, spend some time, and and find the right person. Um, so the the pacing has slowed down a bit, even though it's still critical to hire people. It's not like I need somebody three weeks ago. It's more like okay, let's find the right person and get the right person in the role. Yeah. When that bar gets higher and more specific, I've I've heard my recruiting friends call it the uh, search for the purple squirrel, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, you uh, you know the uniqueness of skill set, experience, and background, uh, you know, really sort of drives the whole process. That's true. That's true. Um, and it's. Again, I, th- I think it's what even during, you know, high times when people are hiring feverishly, they should keep that mentality all the way through because it's really important that, you know, those purple squirrels are out there. It's just a matter of you got to knock on their door at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in, in your description there a moment ago, you, you used an interesting phrase. I, I'm not sure I've heard it put quite that way. You talked about value fit, not just fit, but value fit. So yeah, talk a little more about that. Yeah, you know what? So it's been my experience. I started experimenting with this probably about 10 years ago. But one of the things that I realized was that if you really break it down, the reason why people don't work out uh, within companies is because they don't align with the core values of the company. Now, I know a lot of people think that core values are bullshit. Um, they're just words on a wall. But guess what? Every company has core values, whether or not they 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 broadcast them or not. And that's just the way that they operate. Um, so, so one of the things I found when you really drill down on it, we've done this a lot with our executive search clients, when you really drill down on it and you help them find the language around what their core values are. Now it gives you a measuring stick or a North star in which you can evaluate people effectively. So this is one thing that I think a lot of companies don't do because they focus just on competency and skills to make sure that somebody's going to like the skills that they need. But really the main reason why people don't work out is really because they really don't align with the values of the company first and second maybe they don't bring the skills yeah so so you can have somebody with all the right Mm -hmm. skills that doesn't align with the values of the company they're going to fail 
excuse me, I've got something going on here that outside that I can't hear it. Okay, well, uh, I'll I'll do an edit here and kind of splice this out. But yeah, no some some truck backing up was screeching and screaming, so I was, that's probably why I should be wearing <laughs> earphones. But anyway, we'll uh, we'll slice this back in. So on the that idea of that value fit and and doing a lot more to align true company values with expectations of of uh, what a person's going to be able to do. I have heard it said also, one of the common phrases is we hire on experience and we fire on behavior. So someone shows up, you know, they might technically have the right skills, but because they are not aligned with the right culture and, and value system, their behavior is not going to align and they're going to act in odd ways that are counterproductive, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but the problem with that is you've already burned up a whole lot of cash training somebody up and you're usually firing them 90 days to six months later. And, you know, what, what have you accomplished? Nothing. You might've gotten a little bit of work done, but you're actually behind where you were before. Yeah. And so you should hire for values first, skills second. And then you, sh you know, if you hire for values and skills, if they're a match both way of, of both values and skills, the chances are you won't have to fire them. Yeah. And if you don't have to fire them, then you just made a good hire. So, you know, the, the diligence that goes into an interview should be really stringent across the board with every company. And that's just not what happens. So I encourage anybody, any real listeners or anybody who is um, listening to this podcast, you know, that the interview itself, that's the one place where you can shine. And that's the one place where you can drive evidence to figure out whether or not somebody really aligns with uh, what, what your company needs, what the business needs, as opposed to what you want. Yeah. Yeah. I often find the other big mistake is that people fall in love with resumes, right? So they'll see somebody who works at, you know, Twitter or some other company. And of course, you know, that's exciting. We can get somebody, you know, so they've already in their mind decided they're going to hire this person. And then they pull out all the stops to like sell them to come on board and then when the person uh, joins, it's a disaster. I I can't even tell you how many times I've had company like conversations with CEOs where they, you know, we had high hopes and really big expectations of this person, but the expectations weren't shared. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I hear about half a dozen or more of my clients whispering in my ear right now, going, "Okay, Rick said to hire on values. How do I test?" How do I quiz? How do I evaluate whether this person's really going to align my values? Yeah, so the the simple answer is that you need to develop your interview process around your core values. So the questions need to have a purpose to discuss to 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 discover whether or not somebody aligns. I use behavioral interview questions because I think they're the most powerful. Now, you know who else does this really well is Amazon. Amazon's been doing it from the very beginning. They hire for core values first, skills second. And arguably, they're the largest company in the world, so they've obviously done something right. So it's a very good proof point that, um, that it works. And so what you do is um, behavioral interview questions that are designed to extract evidence to support whether or not somebody operates the same way that you operate, that you need them to operate. 
Yeah, so just to to be clear for people that maybe aren't quite familiar with that, especially a small business owner who doesn't do a lot of hiring but has that happen from time to time, behavioral interview is situational. It's kind of like I always think of it in terms of – Hey, Rick, I'm interviewing you for a job. Uh, Tell me about a time when you had to do something, something, something. And that something, something, something was my core business and the way I like to do things. Yeah, you're you're, you're spot on. Um, It isn't situational, though, because situational would be something like, hey, um, so suppose you had a situation like this, how would you handle it? Which I I believe... um, if somebody's pretty astute, they can figure out how to answer that properly. But the behavioral where you dig into like an actual time that somebody had that experience and they walked through it, what I found is that it becomes very clear as to whether or not somebody really did what they said they did, right? Um, You know, one of the problems that I have with resumes is that everybody lies on resumes. I mean, they're optimized to get past the screen so so they get the interview. So, um, and we just go really shallow when we ask questions, but when you ask a question, like you just, what like your example was, and then you dig underneath the, the, um, the hood and you go, okay, well, tell me about that. Walk me through the steps that you took to get there. What were the problems you ran into? Who did you have to ask for help? How did you, you know, how did you navigate this? How did you feel about it? Right. When you ask those sub questions, you go a couple layers deep. Then it puts you in a position where um, you're extracting really concrete evidence to support a decision. It becomes very easy. It's a yes or a no, fairly easy. Well, and I think it also gets past the idea of a candidate showing up and having done a crash course in the vocabulary of your business and just try to sit there and spew some terms without having any real substance to it. And in the tech world, obviously, that's really severe, but because there is so much, so many acronyms, so many code types, so many approaches and styles and methods. And, uh, you know, as, as many of my listeners know, I come out of the banking world and banking has its own share of acronyms and phraseology and reference point. And I used to be really frustrated trying to interview people for my business because, you know, people can can Google the words and, and, and they can get a fundamental understanding of the difference between a loan and a deposit. And so they show up for the interview. And if I'm not on my toes doing a bigger challenge in my questioning to find that substance about what they really know and how they view it, um, it's pretty easy for somebody to blow through the, the interview. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. Do you, when, when you engage with somebody that wants to use you to find some candidates, what's the usual setup process 
I mean, how how deep a dive do you take with them and looking at their requirements and expectations? Oh, really deep. I mean, well, first off, the the searches we usually do, we build we build a interview process into the search. So um, the way in which we operate is that we like really difficult, hard to fill positions. Uh, most of the stuff we do is executive search. Um, and we specialize primarily in core, uh, like values driven companies to people who know their core values. Um, and they want to, they want to build their team around that. So, <clears throat> um, so we, we go really deep into kind of what the role is and we actually go deep into like, what is it that the business needs? Not what is it that you want? Because there's two totally, those are, those are two totally different things. A lot of times the ego wants, you know, somebody out of Facebook, but what the business requires is another person out of another startup or, you know, um, so, so that's what we, we really kind of help to distill down what is really needed. And then we focus in on um, two things. One, we kind of pull together all the content. We do the interview questions. We, um, we build the job descriptions and then, um, we do a lot of training and coaching because we, we bring an interview process to, to the table. And the idea is that we want to ensure that the company is making the right decision based on evidence, not based on assumptions, bias, or personal motives. So um, we coach them and we get an interview process in place and we run mock interviews. And then we, um, when we get the right person presented, then the interview is conducted that certain way. And um, we actually rolled out a product called InterTrue uh, in October. And what that is, is that um, we actually run the interview through with the human through the process. I mean, through um, our platform. Mm -hmm. So it's a video platform. It's also can be used on site. And the idea behind that is we give everybody the script and the questions on how to dig deeper. And then we record and transcribe. And, and uh, we're using some artificial intelligence to ensure that people are digging deep enough and they're understanding, you know, really who this person is, who's across the table from them. Very interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> well, well, let me unpack what you said there. There's a lot, a lot in there to think about. Uh, let me start with the, you know, the, the job need. Um, and I'm thinking in terms of the work that Gino Wickman did in his book Traction when he yeah. when he proposed the entrepreneur's operating system. And when it comes to positions in the company, he's an advocate of owners really being um, specific in how they draw that job description up. They, you know, he he is saying, you know, you've really got to think about specific needs in a role not just perhaps a personality or somebody you used to know that looked kind of like this and could do these things. And you're writing that job description with that person in the back of your mind that you gotta, you gotta put all that to the side and really try to focus on specificity about the job itself. Why am I hiring a position? Why am I creating a position? What am I expecting from this work? And therefore, what do I need to hire? Yeah. Um, by the way, I follow Gino and actually I just had him on my podcast last week. So uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big EOS proponent and we run EOS here. So that's, I, I totally feel what you're saying. It's that, uh, they call it GWC, right? Do people get it, want it and have the capacity to do the role? The job? Right. Right. Yeah. So, 
um, that that's that's kind of where we plug in. We actually plug in really well with EOS because of the fact that we're we're helping people identify that in the interview as opposed to when they start and you figure it out later. Neat. Very good. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that is so critical and too often, especially companies that are coming in the startup realm and I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not as familiar with the tech space startup as I am other kinds of service oriented businesses, Yeah. but entrepreneurs are, have a tendency to hire friends and family to fill their early jobs because they can trust them. That's number one. They might be able to get them on the cheap. People are willing to kind of come in and help prop up the company and get it started. But they don't necessarily have the requirements you really need. They may be all over values. They may be able to align with you crazy good on values, but they just really don't have any of the skills you need. So you're kind of plugging and playing, trying to figure out how to optimize and rationalize the fit you just made. And, you know, Uncle Bob and Aunt Sally are, are working for <laughs> you. And all of a sudden, the company really matures beyond what they can do. So now you're faced with a different kind of problem. You're going to really mess up Thanksgiving by firing them from your company. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think when you're an entrepreneur, and I've caught myself doing this too, it's just, oh, gosh, I have somebody who's willing to take the job. So, um you know, and you kind of talk yourself into it and then you end up, uh, you know, it, it just becomes a huge mess. Yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, one of the things that I've forced myself to do as I've started up Intertrue is I've forced myself to be having conversations really early on and talking to people and telling them what I'm doing and I'm playing the long game. You know, I know I need help, but, you know, that's what advisors are for. So, you know, you can always bring on people in an advisory capacity right. and right. give them some equity or what have you and let them do some work. And then if it, if it resonates, then it's, it's not difficult because you don't have to, if it works great, if it doesn't, you know, that you just had them on for a project and that was, that was pretty much it. Right. So there's, there's a lot of different creative options. You don't have to hire Uncle Bob to come on board and then have to fire him. Make a, yeah, make that permanent commitment. That, that's yeah. right. Well, what what do you think are some of the common uh, gaps or weaknesses that uh, entrepreneurs and owners have when they when they do get ready to launch the hiring initiative? What were some of the gaps? Yeah. Well, I think that um, first and foremost, they don't really um, they they just think I need a body to do the work and they don't really put thought into, okay, let's, let's really sit down and think about what the business needs right now and how we can keep somebody busy. Because if, even if it's just, is this really long-term work or is this short-term work, right? If you just need somebody to do some marketing content, don't hire them as a full-time person, just ask them to do it as a, as a, an advisor, right? Um, second, you should definitely sit down you know, you should be running like an, like something like EOS. And part of EOS is actually coming up with your core values. So if you have core values, then you should sit down and you should develop interview questions that are around your core values. And it's easier than it sounds. Right. It really, you don't need a whole lot of interview questions. 
as a matter of fact, like I've got, um, you know, we've got this whole thing mapped out through Intertrue that essentially you just plug and play. Um, you put in your content, we help you get up and running, and then you just basically hop onto the platform every time you run an interview. So, but, but what's really critical is that you want people to take you seriously from the perspective of, hey, look at, I'm a startup, but we're going we're gonna to actually get the right people on board and we're going to build this thing correctly. And to build it correctly, you need to give people the impression that, hey, well, you need to take your business seriously, but you also need people to walk out of that conversation with you taking it seriously. And nobody takes it seriously when you just meet them at Starbucks for a cup of coffee and offer them a job, right? They do take it seriously when there's an actual process and there's thought that's put into it and they have to prep for it and they understand what it is you're really trying to build. And it, it's important to them, right? That's that want it piece from uh, EOS. Yeah. So yeah. you want people to be telling you, hey, really, I want to do this and here's why. If they don't, don't hire them. Right. Yeah. Right. I want to shift gears a minute, Rick, while I got you here. I, I want to talk about a phenomenon that I've heard a lot of mention of lately, and, and the topic is ghosting. And there was a time when candidates were frustrated because they felt like the companies they were trying to apply for were ghosting them. Yep. They would go through so many steps of the process, and then it would go dark, and there was no – no response, no way to get an answer, you, and you definitely didn't have an offer, so that was frustrating. But of late, especially post-pandemic, I've heard employers expressing frustration that candidates are ghosting them. So yeah. what what's your experience on in that area right now? Well, what is it, what's the saying? Turnabout is fair play? I mean, you yeah. know, <laughs> <laughs> you, you just got to expect it. You know, hey, it's it's the company's responsibility to set up the relationship with every person in the correct way. Meaning, you need to you need to spend time with them up front and understand them, um, and and be able to provide value back to the candidate through the process. Um, if you just come in and you sell somebody on your product and you're trying to get them to join you, and the whole thing's transactional, then expect it to be a transactional play. Meaning. You know, hey, I'm just going to sell you really hard on coming to my company. We're great. Come work for us. And here's the money we're going to pay you. Well, they're in that mindset and they're just going to shop for the highest offer. And so you're setting up a, you're setting up a situation. You're setting yourself up for failure, for sure. <clears throat> but if you understand what it is the person wants out of their career and you can effectively tie back to them the value that your company brings to them personally and professionally, now you put yourself in a position where you don't have that problem. Yeah. I don't have that problem with ghosting. Never, never have, never will. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's great advice and, and definitely important to consider if, if you're out there, you know, running a company and have feeling frustrated about it. I, I like the way you describe that. If you set it up and make it feel transactional, the candidate can't help but question that. Because yeah. nobody nobody wants to be operating that way, and whether they consciously or subconsciously think about it, I could I could see the turnoff. Yeah, because you're of, treating your candidates like prostitutes. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a really rude way of saying it, but the truth is, 
that's the way that people feel a lot of times after you, after you've had conversations with them. Well, I so what do you that. expect back? Right, right. Interesting. Well, and and the other dimension, I've got a recruiter friend here locally that is incredibly frustrated with his client companies because they're still operating in, uh, you know, 2001 when they can take a week to make a decision and, you know, candidates aren't, aren't waiting it out that long because no. opportunities are there. No, no, they're not. I mean, at least if you're going to be a company, and I see this with large companies all the time, they just take a long time, but at least some of them will pace it out and say, hey, look, it takes us a while. Here's our process. Expect for you to be in the process for, you know, three to four weeks, whatever it might be, right? Um, small companies don't have the ability to do that. And um and here's the thing, the people that are taking the jobs at larger companies, they want to be at a large company. They don't really want to be at a startup, you know, and the people who are at smaller companies, like, you know, you have to understand how people are positioned and what's important to them. Right. You know, there are those that will wait for four to six weeks to get a job. Um, it's frustrating for recruiters because, you know, you want to you want to get people through the pipeline as quickly as possible and make placements. Right. Yeah. Well, and if you are talking about the game with a, a bigger brand like an Amazon or a Google, you know their process is long. And if, but if if you're the candidate and that's your desire, you've got to play the game. You, you've got yeah. to wait it out and and follow the hurdles that are laid out for you. So yeah, um, it's understandable at that point. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of times, I mean, yeah, you just have to keep in mind that look. People still have to get work done, and they're interviewing lots of people, and so there's there's not a whole lot of time. Um, I, I think it's really important, especially for smaller companies, since people get through the pipeline into the interview process, be positioned right for the organization, and also they they um, they, they bring evidence to support whether or not they're the type of performer that you need for the role. Yeah. And that can all be done in the phone screen. That can all yeah. be done like way before you get somebody in the pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. What um, it sounds like your process is pretty well tried and true. If, if I may ask, do you have some sort of success rate you like to brag about? Yeah. So, and I, I get called bullshit on this one a lot, but we're, we're operating at a 96% success rate which is kind of unheard of. Um, but we've been tracking, we've been running our process for the past almost 10 years now. And um, one of the things that, you know, the, the, the two measuring sticks that we've gotten is we've got first choice hire. Like this was our number one choice. We were able to get this person on board. And then we've got people that have been sticking it out for two plus years and they've thrived in the role. So, from a search perspective, that's where we've been operating. Um, I think we had we've we had one person no start, and we had another person that was a replacement that we had to do in the past um, nine years. So, like that, those were the only ones that didn't stick yeah. out of out of hundreds of placements. So, it's it's been working pretty well. 
Well, I always encourage my leaders that I work with that uh, when it comes to personnel, like so many other aspects of business, there there is a bell curve. There is a distribution of people and the way they they show up. And I'm speaking mainly of behavior and personality. So there's a definite bell curve. You've got one end of the curve that is, is your purple squirrel and rock star that's just going to be amazing, a huge value fit, to use your word. Yeah. And then you're you're going to have others on the other end. They're on, on paper and maybe even through the interview, they're good. But every once in a while, something is going to be latent in there that you didn't identify, didn't, didn't vet out, and... Once you get them on board, they're they're not a good fit, and you've got to do something about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I would prefer that most companies operate from the position of not having to deal with that. Right. Right. And and it's totally avoidable, one hundred percent. Right. Right. Well, the other thing, this may be a good time to bring this up. I for a long time, and it sounds like you'll ratify what I'm getting ready to say. I've contended after many decades in the leadership seat and hiring hundreds, if not thousands of people, I think if you've done a reasonably good job in your hiring process, those people you get want to show up and do a good job. Mm -hmm. As a leader, you don't have to worry about inspiring them to, quote, do good work. They want to do that naturally. Yeah. So the burden on the leader shifts a little bit and, and what it becomes is the challenge to show them what good looks like, show them what a win is yeah, and explain that standard to them and that expectation. And, and they'll, you know, come on board and, and, and give you that outcome. Yeah. Again, I think, you know, to throw Gino Wickman back out there, I mean, like it's the get it, want it, have the capacity to do the work. I mean, people have to understand it. They have to uh, align with it. And then, again, if they want it, if they're telling you, hey, I really want this and here's why, it's going to be a much uh, much stronger effort on their side. And then all you have to do as a leader is just essentially manage their career path and help them grow. Yeah. You know, you don't have to do a whole lot. Makes your job so much easier. Right, right. <laughs> And sadly, so many people that have sort of evolved into a management and, and even ultimately a leadership seat, they they really struggle to get that and they yeah. struggle to understand that. And it, it takes some coaching and learning to get them there. So if, if somebody were to approach you brand new, whole new client company for you, what what's your process time to kind of get them indoctrinated and coached up on the method that you like to follow? Well, right now we're kind of shifting a lot of our effort into InnerTrue. So the idea with the platform is that we can keep people up and operating pretty quickly. Um, so we spend, um, we invest about 10 hours of our time with them to get them Fully coached, we help them run the their first few interviews. We we kind of um, get all of their values in the system, develop develop all of their interview questions, and then of course, you know, provide the content for job descriptions and some of those other things that are important. Um, and we get them very comfortable with using the system because um, it is quite different than what 
people typically do. I tend to be a little bit more of a contrarian from the perspective of like, you know, there's uh, there's things that work and things that don't work. And I see a lot of things that are so-called best practices uh, don't really work. It's the same thing everybody else is doing. It doesn't set you aside from anybody else. And all it does is basically, uh, again, kind of create that transactional environment to where at the end of the day, people are making a decision based on the, the cash that you're putting in front of them, as opposed to seeing the value and what the organization offers to them both personally and professionally. Yeah. And that's far, you know, that's another form of compensation that we don't even consider. We start thinking about benefits and time off and all these other things. Um, but, you know, there's, there, there's commonality with high performers and they all want something more than what they're doing. They might be not able to grow or they might not be challenged by the content of the work anymore. So if you're providing that for them and you're healing whatever career wounds they, they have at this point, um, man, you can't help a win. Right, right. And they win too. That, yeah. That's the best part about it. Yeah. Well, Rick, thank you for uh, sharing all this with us. Uh, tell folks the best way to get a hold of you if they're looking for more information. Yeah, absolutely. So you can drop me um, an email at rick at stride, S-T-R-I-D-E, search, S-E-A-R-C-H.com. Um, I also have a book. Um, it's called Healing Career Wounds. It's out on Amazon. So if you actually want a step-by-step DYI guide to running an interview process, it's all there. So nice. I put it out for people to be able to, um, to develop their own interview process and, and run a values-driven interview. Great. And then, of Great. course, if somebody is interested in um, kind of a one-stop solution where they can come on board and, and uh, essentially they can ensure that all of their people in the interview process are consistent and they're making decisions that are not based on assumptions, bias, or personal motives, you can um, check out InterTrue. It's I-N-T-E-R-T-R-U dot A-I. And uh, we've, um, we launched in October and we're going to do kind of our official launch next month. Nice. Yeah. Well, good. Well, we will have all that information in the show notes. And one last time, Rick, thanks for sitting in with us. Doug, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure to meet you and uh, I appreciate being on. Yeah, you bet. And on that note, folks, I'm going to remind everybody, once again, we're going to have all of Rick's contact info in the show notes, so feel free to hop over there and check that out. But I do always like to remind people that we do have a video version of this episode over on YouTube, channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Hop over there and subscribe and uh, take a look and uh, check the archives there. We got a lot of good content and we do have it coming at you three times a week now. Our episodes do release three times. Uh, that's Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. So um, take a listen and we thank you for spending a minute to be with us today. Hope this was helpful and we'll see you again real soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.